The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We're taking bets on how much longer they'll let us stay on the air <coughs> before they realize they've made a grave mistake. <laughs> Day three is, uh, that was the over-under, actually, so if you had the over, <laughs> you might be in good shape. <laughs> I'm Chris Yao, and the man laughing to my left is Maurice Patton. We are in studio here. We thank you for tuning in this Wednesday edition of our show here on WKOM 101.7 FM in Columbia, Tennessee. Mo, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, it's uh, it's been a great day, and uh, I mean, just really good weather outside, even though a little bit of rain. I'll take a little bit of rain right now. I'm just, I'm not even mad about it. Uh, yeah, um, you know, even as as much as I complain about too hot, too cold, whatever, you know, this it's it's tough to complain about this right now. Yeah, uh, I'm not mad about it at all. It is a, uh, you know, fall weather in general is is a lot different in the South than anywhere else in the country, and I I know we have a lot of transplants here in murray county and south williamson county so i'm always curious to talk to other folks about how they view our weather and yesterday i got a chance to do that with a couple of people and you know it middle of september for most folks this is normal but if you're from tennessee you're you don't you don't necessarily expect the first day of fall to feel like fall like we talked about yesterday and it's just it's really great man and and being able to enjoy the Murray County Championships without being miserable and being hot out at Ring Farm yesterday, it, it was it was really nice. You know, you talk to people that move here, and you talk to people that live here, and they talk about being able to experience the four seasons when you live here. Sometimes you can experience those four seasons you in know, a week. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. No question about that at all. Oh, man, man. But – you know, when we talked to Brady Henson yesterday, he told us that it was going to be a little overcast, a little cool, and boy, if he didn't nail it. Absolutely nailed the forecast. Al Roker. We're actually going to bring him on now uh, every day. With the weather? To, with the weather. Because <laughs> clearly, he, he's got it down pat. Um, but no, seriously, it was a great day yesterday out at uh, Ring Farm for the Murray County Cross Country Championships, and... Um, Brady Henson, coach of the CA cross country team, got a a big win for his boys overall. But of course, his son Connor was the 
star of the show, as he set a personal record and a meet record. Correct. Was it also a course record? Or do yeah. we so just all the records. I think he also set a school record. So, so there you go. Yeah. Fifteen fifty four, I believe, exactly. was the the time, and he won the race by a little uh, you right said around forty three seconds. I think he beat Michael Gerhardt from Spring Hill by, who also ran a personal best with his sixteen thirty seven. Yeah, he, in fact, the top three runners each PR'd. Uh, Connor, see, I almost called him Brady again. Connor. Uh, Michael Gerhardt from Spring Hill and William Craig from Zion Christian ran a 1731, which was a PR for him. So, um, and and that's what Brady had said that he, you know, hoped that the weather, hoped that the course would lead to some really good times, not just for his kids, but for for all these kids, because a lot of these kids haven't had a lot of opportunity to run this year for obvious reasons, and. Um, I think Jeremy Paisley said that that was Spring Hill coach Jeremy Paisley said that was his team's second race of the year. And so trying to get Michael Gerhardt and his freshman Tyson Peters, you know, into a position where they can compete for possibly a state berth when they go to regions here later on, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge just because they haven't run. Yeah, we. I mean, cross country is one of those things where <laughs> – positive is you can run anywhere but there's a difference between race running and conditioning and practice running i'm gonna take your word for it no there there (laughs) is i mean if i i've never run a 5k but i've also my my wife has and i she's like why don't we just you know let's do the couch to 5k thing and see if See if we can't get it. I'm like, look, no. <laughs> Let me just get in a race and have to walk half of it. But I'm still going to run twice as much in a race as I would on a treadmill or practicing. Sure. I'm just, I mean, one, I'm competitive. But, you know, it is something you have to prepare for. But there is, again, a difference between, you know, running in a race versus just conditioning and getting ready for a race so. sure and 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 both connor and annabelle Catherine, who won the girls high school race for ca mentioned the fact that you know they were running by themselves by the by the first turn basically and so you know that competitive aspect of the race wasn't really there annabelle ran a 2107 i'm sorry a 2136 to win the girls race she won by a minute plus yeah. over her teammate Jalen Hickerson, but you know she was running by herself pretty much the whole time. So when when there's nobody running with you, there's nobody there to push you. You tend to coast a little bit. It, it can be a, a struggle, but obviously did not matter for Connor as he sets that personal record. Like I said, course record, meet record. Uh, I would suggest he's the Murray County most valuable cross-country runner um, in the area. I, I'm telling you, this is – and this is what his – did he, he – you know, I know he won it last year. End of year four. Um, so this is, yeah, a three-time winner, and you, you can't argue with that. They're doing a great job over at CA uh, with their cross-country teams. And, and, again, and talking, talking to Pernell Knox, the athletics director over at CA yesterday – the one thing that he said is that, you know, all of these kids, 
you know, weren't necessarily raised as runners. Brady has done a great job of getting out in the halls and strongly encouraging kids to come out and run, and and it's worked out for him. Absolutely. Annabelle Cawthorn, as you mentioned, was the overall individual winner for CA in the girls' race, but the Bulldogs did not win the team girls race as Zion Christian edges them out with their three top 10 finishers, junior Haley keys, who ran a 2401 freshman, Elizabeth Wood and junior Aria Davis. They win the team competition with 56 points and, uh, Columbia Academy finished with 57. Yeah. They kind of snuck in there. We, um, talked to Christian Brewer a little bit after the race and he said that, you know, he, he had expected his team to finish second behind CA. But when you put three runners in the top ten, you're going to give yourself a chance. And kudos to Agathos Classical, which also had three top ten finishers and placed third in the team competition. So nice little nice little event out there at Ring Farm yesterday. A very competitive event in the, uh, the, the girls' race for sure. Uh... While we were at the race, we got a text message with some semi-breaking news at the time. Um, nothing too major, but we do want to let you guys know if you are up in the Thompson Station area about Independence Football. They have officially moved at least officially moved at least one game, but they also have scheduled a second home game. They will now play Pearl Cone at Indy instead of going to Pearl Cone. And what week is that? Uh, that is October. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. There's hang, a book in the window. Yeah, hang on just a second. It's always good when you can have the, the SM-TN Sports Magazine handy and that handy-dandy helmet schedule right in the middle. It'll tell you exactly and, when and, they're playing. And if you don't have it... Let can, us know. And you can pick one up here at the station. Absolutely. Um, you can pick one up a lot of different places, but you can definitely come to the station and get one. We've got several. Oh, one thing that we've not mentioned that we need to mention. If you're listening and there's something you want to talk about, give us a call. 931-381-1017. Absolutely. We have phone lines. Lines are open. Open, uh, kind of. <laughs> try to talk about what we're talking about but yeah anyway um that um that pearl cone game against independence if i can read the handy dandy yeah you gotta find october 23rd october 23rd and they will also play innsworth uh i believe on their bye week or what was the um, date that's two weeks from this weekend it'll be october 9th they are playing ensworth and that game will also be at independence correct and uh, we assume it's october 9th um matter of fact because that is that, you know that that's oh, their that's fall right break, that's fall so break it could be you october never know 8th. they actually you know it is actually october 8th okay um good catch and the, that should be a heck of a ball game. The text message says we host Innsworth as of now. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. <laughs> so that is a Thursday, October 8th, Innsworth at Independence. And like you said, that will be a heck of a ball game. Yeah, Rock Batten returning to Williamson County. Hey, it's it's going to be a lot of fun uh, keeping up with these schedule changes more as much as it is anything. <laughs> it's It's a challenge. 
it has been a challenge, no doubt. Um, again, that's Independence October 8th against Pearl Cone. And, no, no, no. I mean, against Innsworth hosting, and then October 23rd against Pearl Cone at Independence at 7 o'clock. There we go. Um, that should do it. And we need to take a break, I guess. We do. And when we come back, we have Columbia Central head football coach Jason Hoth is going to join us. So you're going to want to listen into that. And we will be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. in folks it is southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid-tennessee bone and joint i'm chris yow and this is the first hour in which we talk as much as we can about local high school sports 20 minutes past the hour of nine o'clock here on 1017 fm wkom we're joined now by columbia central head football coach jason hoth coach welcome in Hey, I appreciate you having me on today. Not a problem, Jason. Glad to have you. Um, congratulations again. I know you guys are a little bit past it at this point, but a huge, huge victory, I thought, for you guys Friday night over Lincoln County. 30-21 um, yeah. to 21 win, big region 5-5A victory. Um, I, I'm sure you probably could have done without some of the dramatics after getting out to a 20-7 to halftime <laughs> lead, but – I guess the bottom line is a win is a win. Yeah, I'll tell you what, this, that was definitely a win that we needed. Uh, you know, going into that game, being 0-1 in the region, um, you know, we, we play an extremely tough region, and if you get behind it, you don't want to dig yourself too big of a hole. It's hard to get out of in our region. Um, I, mean, I was proud of the way our guys came out and played. You know, I was, I was worried, you know, having having the losses back-to-back versus some in Giles County. You know, how does your team respond? You know, how are they going to come out and perform? And, um you know, had a really good week of practice. I Man, the guys came out and uh, they, they played extremely hard that first half and got ourselves in a position to have that good, nice lead. And then a, a third quarter rolled around and boy, it all went, it all went backwards from there uh, until about midway through the fourth. But uh, you know, he definitely made it interesting. And uh, you know, Lincoln's tough. Uh, uh, that Webb kid, the quarterback, he uh, he played a heck of a game against us. Um, you know, it, um, our guys, they stepped up and made some plays at some critical points uh, to put us in a position to, to be successful. So, um, you know, just, just thrilled for our guys uh, to get to get that region win. It puts us back at one and one in the region and um, keeps playoff hopes alive, you know, being early in the season. But, you know, every, every game in our regions, there's playoff implications on the line. So, you know, Jason, I looked at that game, and, and as you said, you know, the the possibility of going 0-2 in the region, but more than that, the possibility of going 0-2 with both those games at home. Right. How how much of a concern was that in, in everything that was 
you know, talked about going into that? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you obviously want to win at home. I mean, those are the games, you know, no matter who you're playing against, you, you want to win in front of your home crowd. Uh, you want to have some type of home field advantage. You want to, you know, you want to make your place a tough place to come in and play. Uh, and I believe our place is a tough place to come in and play. Um, so that's why, you know, we needed that win. And, um, you know, Lincoln's been tough. We've had some tough games within the past few years. Um, it was a physical game. And, um, but, you know, coming coming away with that win at home is huge for us. Especially since you go on the road for your final three region right. games. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, sir. So all the, re- the remaining of our schedule for region games are all on the road. Uh, so we got to be road warriors. we got to be able to uh, show up at some tough environments uh, and play well. You know, we have to make the long haul to Franklin County here in a few weeks, and um, um, which they, they always have a good atmosphere to play in. And then uh, we, we go to Page, and then, uh, which, which is another tough team, and then we, we end the year region play at Shelterville. So we have some tough places to go and, and play football. So uh, the fact that we're able to get this win – uh, Friday, it, it was big for us. Talking with Columbia Central head football coach Jason Hoth. Coach, talk a little bit about the importance of the performance from Justin Buckman, who gives you a another dynamic option in that run game as he goes for 93 yards, a pair of touchdowns. Uh, just going forward, how important is his contribution going to be to this team? Well, it, it, he's going to play a huge part in it. You know, he had a he had a great week of practice last week. Um, you know, he did a lot of the little things right, a lot of the things that you, know, you preach to kids early on in the year, then you kind of forget about it, and he just doesn't. You know, as far as, uh, you know, when you're telling your receivers after they catch the ball, go score. Or you tell your running backs, you know, once you see your hole, go score. And he just does those things. You know, in practice, you know, when we run our – inside drill or whatever it may be, you know, once he gets five, eight yards and we know the play is over, we've made our blocks and everything's good. Well, he continues to run for 20, 25 more yards practicing scoring. So he had a great week of practice. So we decided to go with him and he brought a, he brought a, a different kind of electricity we haven't seen in a while. So you know, hopefully, um, hopefully this can help improve our team moving forward. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what he can do. I mean, I know he had about 100 yards rushing in the night. It might have been about 170 if we take away some of those penalties we had in the third quarter. <laughs> he, had some, he had some good runs called back in, the, in that quarter as well. So, um, And as you talk about Justin in the run game, always nice to have options in the run game. Christian Biggers did not participate Friday. What is his status this week against Nolansville? I mean, ho- hopefully we can have a one-two punch. I mean, that's, that's what we want to have. We want to, you know, they're different type of running backs. You know, Justin's definitely um, quicker and, and faster than Christian is. Christian, he, he's more, he's developed more into a power runner. Um, so hopefully um, we're able to use a one-two punch in the backfield because I think that would uh, make our offense more effective if we were able to use both of those guys. Uh, you know, I saw you guys against Dixon County in week two and you guys showed some smokestack eye. Uh, any possibility of seeing both those guys and and either Antoine or Watson Harvey at the up back, or um, what is that situation looking like for you? Well, yeah, we're still toying with that. Um, unfortunately, Watson Harvey won't be a part of it. Um, he, he's out for the year. He tore his ACL last week against Giles mm. County. Oh, um, I know. So that's a, that's a big loss for us on uh, both sides of the ball. 
yeah, on both sides of the ball. Cause I mean, he, he was in our smokestack personnel and he was one of our backups for, for uh, the tight end position. Um, but losing him on defense really hurts. I mean, it take a lot of experience and a, a hard working kid and a physical linebacker. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to adjust and, you know, it's next man up concept. Um, but yeah, I hate, hate to see a kid like that go down. You talked about those, the, the penalties in the third quarter, especially, but you had almost a hundred yards in penalties and twelve called against you. What is the mindset this week? How how are you trying to correct that as you go forward? Well, you know, it's, that's that's been kind of our Achilles' heel for the first five games. We've had a number of penalties to go against us. Um, we've had a lot of holding calls on offense. We've had a handful of personal fouls on either offense or defense. Um, uh, Friday night in the third quarter, um, we uh, had uh, an illegal formation a couple times. Mm-hmm. We didn't have enough men in the line of scrimmage. And, you know, one, hey, it's, it's our fault. That, that one long run Justin had that was called back. I said, hey, that, that's on the coaches. We'll, we'll take that one. Uh, a couple more sets, we ran the same formation. and We didn't uh, – Players didn't adjust and get get on the line. We're trying to work on getting getting them on the line, make sure our formations are correct. So, you know, but we, we have got to eliminate mistakes moving forward as our schedule only continues to get tougher uh, moving forward. I mean, um, we we have got to do a better job of uh, eliminating those penalties because um, you know they they hurt us. They hurt us in the third quarter. It was evident. So, um, just work on trying to clean some of those things up in practice to make sure we're. And placement is right when we're blocking and we're not reaching around the shoulder pad and grabbing cloth there with our you know, hands in the right spot and we're just trying to focus on doing the little things right. You know, Jason, Chris and I were talking last week, I think, about, you know, the identity of this Columbia Central football team. And we've talked about run the ball, stop the run. And, and I know that this team over the last – couple of seasons has really kind of hung its hat on its defense what if somebody asks you well I'm asking you what what is Columbia Central's identity right now football wise yeah that's a that's a good question you know and you figure by this point in the year I can say hey it's this uh, but I think I think we're still trying to find it to be honest I mean does that um, concern you it doesn't, it doesn't, um, simply because, you know, I knew coming in this year we were going to be okay defensively. You know, we had about half our starters return. And we've been okay defensively with the exception of, you know, Summit and Giles County. We, we didn't show them play those nights. But, you know, we've played pretty well for the for the duration of the year. And uh, our players that we expected to make an impact, they have done that. You know, and Antoine Moore's had a great year already. I mean, he's already got six sacks, uh, a lot of quarterback hurries, some you got defensive touchdowns and fumble recoveries. I mean, he's he's already exceeded my expectations for him this year. So our defense, you know, it was going to be solid. Offensively, I expected us to come out and ground and pound, you know, just be able to run the ball. But my question mark was at the beginning of the year is, hey, we have, we have a new offensive line. With the exception of one player, you know, all of them are new. And, um, you know, we haven't been able to do that quite like I wanted to. Uh, but what has been pleasant, though, is that we have – I don't say we've been explosive in the passing game, but we have been effective in the passing game. You know, Brady's completed over 50% of his passes. He's got six touchdowns on the year. He's averaging just over 100 yards a game throwing the ball. So I think he's doing enough in the passing game to help our running game out. Um, and then, you know, adding, adding Buckman to the equation, that, you know, it's, it's, he's still early on in, in his uh, 
offensive career with us, and you know we don't know where that's going to take us yet. So uh, offensively, we're I think we're more balanced right now. Um, I don't know if we have one strength over the other. And uh, you know, defensively, um, when we when we show up and we tackle well and we put pressure on the quarterback, good things happen. So you know, I can't I can't lock down and say this is our identity. Um, I know last week we talked about just hey. We got to do everything together, you know, because together we will is our motto this year. So just everything we do, we got to do it together as a team. Um, so I can't really tell you, hey, this is a, this is what we're best at right now. Um, I still think we're improving in all areas, and hopefully we can continue on on the right path of that as well. Coach, is having a a non-region game uh, is that something that you guys will take the opportunity to work on some of those things that haven't been as effective? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think we're still trying to work on, like I said, figuring out who we are and just worrying about us. You know, a lot of times we'll, we'll focus on other teams, obviously what they do, but at the end of the day, it's more about, you know, how, how do we prepare? How do we play? How do we execute uh, within our, within our system? So, um, I don't expect to come out and try anything new that we haven't done against other teams or anything like that, but we just got to work on getting better. We got to work on eliminating some of those mistakes that we've been making. Um, Cause you know, I mean, for the average fan that watches a high school football game, if you know, a run is stopped in the backfield, you know, you automatically think, you know, nobody's blocking for the guy, you know, cause it's just, that's just natural instinct. And you watch on film, it might be, Hey, one guy out of the five made a mistake. And we got to fix that, you know, cause they all got to work together as a unit. Um, so, I mean, we're just going to focus on us and focus on what we do, and we just need to try to get better at it, you know. Um, you know, talking about that offensive line, you know, we are going into the sixth game now with might be a sixth different unit, um, whether it's been due to injury or COVID quarantining or uh, we had a player ejected a couple weeks ago, which will be back this week. So it's, it's been hard trying to find a, uh, a five, group of five that can – um, work together as a unit that can that can be consistent, you know, from week to week. So, you talk about that offensive line and and how much it's been in flux for you this year. Um, the one constant up there for you has been Carter Sidlowski. Um, and and we talked during the preseason about the the um, the confidence that I would think he brought into this season after a pretty impressive basketball season last year what have you seen out of carter through this first um first few games well i'll tell you what uh carter is an unbelievable ball player uh we are very fortunate that he is wearing the uh the purple on friday night for us and that we're not having to line up against him Uh, he is uh he is a workhorse i mean he is a definition of what you want in a lineman i mean he's he's 6'2 290 he's strong um he, he gets the job done on offense. I mean, he, he gets with his blocks, and he is going to block until the whistle blows. If that means I'm putting my guy on the ground 15 yards downfield, that's what he's going to do. Uh, whatever whatever we ask him to do, he does it. We, he's bounced around from center to guard, tackle, whatever we need him, he's he does it. Um, defensively, you know, we pull him out on defense because we know we need him for offense, and he's like, I'm ready to go back in. I mean, he doesn't want to come out of the game. Um, but again, you know, he, he's a, he's a force on both sides of the ball. But, uh, what I really like about Carter this year is that he's becoming more of a vocal leader for us. And that's something our team has needed. And, uh, he has stepped up and, uh, he is doing an awesome job of that. So I'm just, I'm excited for him. I'm excited about his future. I think, uh, you know, he's got several small school offers. Uh, I still think he's, uh, 
you know, at, at least an FCS level ball player. Um, I just, you know, I'm hoping some of these schools take a chance on him. I mean, he's got a 3-2 GPA. Uh, he's works hard to practice, works hard in the weight room. I mean, he's, like I said, he's everything you want in an offensive lineman. Absolutely. Columbia Central head coach Jason Hoth joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. Coach, we really appreciate you you joining us. Uh, you know, this has been really cool to have the ability to talk to coaches and, and things of that nature um, on, the, on our radio show. And just real quick, want to tell you that we um, – we are excited for the rest of this season, especially those last three region games. I know you are too. In this region, you have kind of a mixed bag of parity outside of the summit, obvious summit at the top. How do you feel like the rest of the region is going to shake out. Do you do you think this this Lincoln County team has a chance to make the playoffs as well as anybody else? I do. I'll tell you the truth, you know, going into the season, you know, I think Summit's obviously predicted to to win the region, and you know, um, I, I foresee that happening. Um, but I mean, they're a beatable team just like any of us. But I mm-hmm. mean, they they've got some of the best ball players in the region, so they they definitely have have an advantage over the other teams. But I will say after Summit, it's really a toss-up. I mean, uh, we, we've played pretty well to this point. Lincoln County has played well. Uh, Shelbyville, you know, they got new coaching staff, and they're going to be tough as always. You know, Paige is Paige. They're tough. I know they, they lost a ton of seniors, but um, you know, Coach Rathbone always does a good job with those guys, and Franklin County has got new staff. So, I mean, it, it really is a toss-up. I think, you know, it's one of those things where – you have to show up and play. I feel like we're playing in the SEC and high school football in our region. I mean, any team can win on any given day. So, um, you know, those are tough games, and we have to bring our A game each and every time we, we have one of those. So it, it can go to anybody, really. And when it comes to the playoffs, you know, like you said, you're, you're kind of the SEC of of 5A. You you guys have as good of a chance from one through four to, to take a playoff win in that first round especially. It is, you know, we were talking about that yesterday, just, hey, these region games are going to be important because, uh, like I said, you know, I, I think Summit will probably end up being the region champ unless uh, unless we win out. Summit takes a couple of losses. Uh, but you want to end up being first or second. That way you can get a home playoff game. But, you know, finishing third or fourth in our region, that's that's no easy task either. No, that's, a, that's a challenge. And uh, But you finish third or fourth, you have to go on the road, which makes it a little more tougher in the playoffs as well. Right, Central hasn't hosted a playoff game since 2012. Is that right, Maurice? That's correct. That is, so that is correct. <laughs> it would be it would be nice to have a home playoff game at Lindsey Nelson Stadium for sure. Um, but it, once it ag- would be. Once again, thanks, Coach, so much for joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day. We appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on today. All right. When we come back, we're going to tell you a little bit about what happened yesterday in other sports around in and around Murray County in Southern Middle Tennessee. We appreciate you guys listening right here on 1017 FM and WKOM. We'll be back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net.
And we are back here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is the 9 o'clock hour, and that means that we are talking high school sports in and around Murray County. 43 minutes past the hour of 9 o'clock. Mo, yesterday was a uh, – we, we've already talked a little bit about the Murray County Cross Country Championships, and uh, several other sports were in action, including some postseason District 8 golf as Giles County, Lawrence County, and Shelbyville boys boys advance to the region tournament, uh, including Eli White from Lawrence County, who shot a 76 to win that tournament. And then Lawrence County, Lincoln County, and Tullahoma advance in the girls with winner Mallory Tevrick from Tullahoma. Who shot a 74? Yeah, some some big doings over at Riverbend over in Shelbyville yesterday. And um, congratulations to those teams and, and those individual qualifiers who will move on to the um, Region 4 large class tournament, which I believe is at Riverbend, but I'm not entirely sure at this point. Um and unfortunately, Columbia Central was also involved in that tournament, but they did not have anyone um, make the cut for regional competition. So, golf season is over for the Lions. That being said, uh, you know, golf is kind of one of those great equalizer sports, much like cross country, where, you know, you you don't have to have a a whole lot of athletes necessarily playing golf i mean you don't have to have three or four folks who are really really good at it to be successful you know you have a couple here and there and you can you can be you can be successful in at at golf so uh, well done giles county lawrence county and eli white um this is is a name that you yeah yeah Yeah. this is a name you've heard a while he's a senior this year for lawrence county and um and and he's pretty he's been pretty dominant at this district and regional level and um I think it'll be fascinating to see what he's able to do this next couple of weeks in the region and and should he get over to Willowbrook for the large class state tournament here in a couple of weeks. So there's a name to um to keep an eye on as we go down the stretch here. And, you know, as far as Columbia Central's golf goes, Vance Ballou took over the program this year he is their third coach in three years and when we spoke in the preseason he was kind of concerned about their numbers they only had two boys golfers this year so he's really just trying to get numbers up so that they can actually have a team so so if you've got a kid that goes to columbia central who has some interesting golf you might want to get with coach Ballou. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's some spots to be had on that team. Sure. Um, uh, moving along, in, in this segment here, like I said, we're going to talk, it's mostly just going to be kind of uh, fast break scores, um, talk a little bit about each of those games if we have some information, which means if you are a coach and you are listening and you want to get the your kids some airtime here on the this radio show, you can do that by – emailing us at sports at sm-tnsports.com and we will get that on our website 
and we'll talk about them here on the show. Or you can give us a call and tell us about it yourself. At right now. Right now, in, in, real time, in real time, as they say, 931-381-1017. I, give think, us a call. I think Clayton took the phone. <laughs> Uh, the phone. <laughs> <laughs> we only have one phone, so if you call us and it's busy, sorry. Um, but in volleyball, Summit got a big five-set win over Ravenwood. And it, here's the thing. Summit, and we talked about this earlier, the Summit volleyball team is currently 8-1 and one in district play. Mm-hmm. And their only loss being to, of course, Brentwood. Of course, Brentwood. And that was a five-set loss as well, although Brentwood was missing a couple of pretty key players in that match. But this is a Summit volleyball team that has a real chance to to make some noise in that large Class 3A. Oh, absolutely. They won this um this matchup at Ravenwood yesterday, they got up early, 25-16, 25-18 in the first two games. Um, I'm sorry, in the first two sets. Um, lost the next two sets to the Lady Raptors, 27-25, 25-19. And, um, and then they won the penultimate yeah. fifth set, 15-13, to um, again move to 8-1 in district play. and, and Not pivotal fifth set. No, not pivotal. No, you can't pivot from the last one. No, no, it, it's that, that's not pivotal. That's pretty much decisive. <laughs> that's decisive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For you wordsmiths out there. Oh man, the, I, there was an NBA headline several years ago that said somebody won a pivotal game seven. Pivotal game seven. And I'm like, well, come on. No, I don't think the series <laughs> turned on game seven. I think the series ended on game seven. But um, hey. Ending things. Speaking of ending things, Destiny Cherry with 19 kills for Summit in that five-set victory. She, uh, yeah, Destiny Cherry was fantastic. Riley Goliath had 40 assists for the Lady Spartans and eight really, really good job by 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 Warren Riker over there. He's doing he, he's doing some big things. And despite their first round exit at the Border Battle Tournament last week, um. I mean, it, again, that tournament was full of they, – they had two power pools, which means everybody from the pool makes the gold tournament. And those two power pools were insane. So I'm just saying it, they're doing a good job. Yeah, uh, and, and I don't think there's any ch- any shame in taking a loss in that tournament. Like not that, at all. That was a power field. The entire tournament, tournament was, was full of, of great volleyball teams. So – the Summit soccer team, however, did get a big win, and they defeated Central last night 7-1 to at home, and Brooklyn Lewis had a hat trick. So, good job to that young lady, who hat tricks have become a, uh, a bit of a normalcy around here. Did we discuss? Where do, No, we discussed on the podcast. We, we have not discussed... On these airwaves. My, my dad would be very happy to hear that I can tell you where the term hat trick came from. JP, do you, know, do you know where the term hat trick came from? The origins of the hat trick? The origins of the hat trick. What sport? It didn't come from where you think it what came from. What sport did it originate in? Well, due to the the trick question uh, type of uh, proposal there, <laughs> Um. Hockey is the obvious answer. That's where you most, I think, notoriously 
think of the hat trick, but I'm going to guess maybe soccer. What if I told you <laughs> it is neither of those, and I'm not even sure they still use it in in the sport where it originated. The sport where it originated, it uh, apparently originated in cricket. Okay, mm. right. British cricket, and it's kind of like bowling three strikes in a row as a turkey. If you strike three players out in cricket, then you get. A hat tr- I'm sorry. If you bowl. I don't. Yeah. A bowler is the pitcher in cricket. If you know anything about it, so it anyway. Cricket. It, yes, the pitcher or bowler in cricket strikes three people in a row out. Uh, a that's trick. a hat trick. So there you go. How'd you like that? There we go. We got trivia for days. We're educating folks. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a great job uh, again. Brooklyn Lewis had the hat trick. Uh, in the Summit 7-1 win over Central in girls' soccer yesterday. Franklin Road Academy got an 8-1 win over Columbia Academy. And Cullioka fell 2-1 to to Fayetteville. But that one goal was scored by an 8th grader for the Lady Warriors. Miss Sophie Williams gets a hits the back of the net for a goal. So. There we go. Got to like the youngster contributing right there. Yeah. Um, Another volleyball result um, involving a local squad. Zion Christian fell to Battleground Academy in straight sets, 25-9, 25-14, 25-11. So a tough loss for the the Lady Eagles there. Yeah, and no surprise, speaking of Lady Eagles, Summertown's Lady Eagles defeated Mount Pleasant in straight sets as well. That's no disrespect to Mount Pleasant. None it's at just, all. It's just it's Summertown. summertown. <laughs> yeah. 25-10, 25-11, were the scores in those sets there. Um, Spring Hill and Nolensville on the pitch tonight. That's right. Girls soccer tonight. It is the only high school athletic it's event the that only we know game in town. That we know of. Yeah, hashtag only game in town that we are aware of. Um. Like I said, trying to get as many scores and scheduling updates as we possibly can here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. And that means we need your help, coaches, parents. If you're out there, we would love to have your help. Um, Maurice, what's what's been the biggest surprise to you in outside of, obviously, football and that's, you know, in these other sports? What's been the biggest surprise that you've seen this season? Kind of like the parity that we've seen in volleyball around the area with Cullioka, with Mount Pleasant, with Hampshire. I think um, all of those teams have played well. Uh, I've really liked the the improvement <laughs> yesterday, notwithstanding, that we've seen out of Mount Pleasant under second-year coach Melina Jaime. And um, <laughs> shameless plug, you can look for a little bit more on that Mount Pleasant Lady Tigers program and their coach here in the next day or so, hopefully, it's, it's on the gonna website. It's going to be a great story. Uh, she she is a, a, a really cool story in general, so I'm excited to read that one. Yeah, I'm excited to write it. <laughs> and like you said, there has been a lot of parity. You know, we went, like we said, we went to that Santa Fe Cullioka match, and it was a five-match set, and – yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of fun to watch that and it pivotal just, five match, that, that pivotal fifth yeah. set there. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, for me, I think it's been the 
the Summit volleyball team, which has not been, they've not been bad, mm-hmm. but they've not been eight and one in the district at any point in the last few years. So the in a tough district. Right. I mean, it is a very tough. You don't understand that district is is seriously good. Um, even without Brentwood, it, the rest of it is very good. But it's typically you typically see Brentwood and Ravenwood mm-hmm. both going to the state tournament. Right. So, you know, for Summit to kind of wedge themselves in at the top there, if if you can get out of this district, you got a pretty good chance of getting to Murfreesboro. Oh, no doubt. And Destiny Cherry, who is a, you said a butler? A butler commitment. So she's going to head up to the... Wonder if, I wonder if they play in the Hinkle Fieldhouse. You know what? I bet they do. And that's a that's a really cool venue. I'm telling that's one of the cooler venues in Division One college basketball, I assume also college volleyball. <laughs> Just one, you know, that that's a, that's one of those places where it's really fun to play. And I, I'll bet... In a normal season, it is rocking. Hey, yeah, in a normal season. No idea what it's going to sound like this year. Mm. But, yeah, we've got, um, we've got one. like I said, the one game tonight, we've got a soccer match between Spring Hill and Nolansville. So that will be the only match, only match or game that we have this evening. Plenty of stuff to talk about. Tomorrow, we will be doing the same thing that we've been doing on our podcast for the last year um we will preview local our area high school football games on thursday just to keep some continuity so you guys who have been listening for the last you know the rest of the season that's it that's going to be on thursday we're going to talk about obviously the the other sports as well but we will preview those games this week's games on friday night we will do that thursday morning on this radio show, so make sure to tune in at 9 a.m. In the tomorrow. first hour, yep. So we will talk about Columbia Central Nolansville. We will talk about Independence Hendersonville, um, Richland Fayetteville. Summertown goes to Loretto for the Pegasus Cup. The Pegasus Cup. Which I think is amazingly cool because um, you got the Summertown Eagles, you got the Loretto Mustangs, and if you know your Greek mythology, then suddenly Pegasus makes all sorts of sense. <laughs> and that's the way it came. You know, the light sure. bulb came on with me when I realized what it was. It's like, That's a oh, great name. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you've also got Summit going to Northwest and Zion Christian hosting Collinwood. So we'll be talking about all those games. We will not be talking about Mount Pleasant and Wayne County because that game will not be taking place, nor will we be talking about Columbia Academy and University School of Jackson. For the same reasons. That's it. But make sure to tune in tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. for plenty of high school football coverage in this areas. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of sad things that have happened this morning that we were made aware of. We've got Jeff Perlman in the second hour. Of course, the Braves. And it is wild and crazy Wednesday We're going to tell you about some of the most wild and crazy stories across the country. Weird stuff going on, man. (laughs) And when when I tell you how weird it is, you're going to love it. So make sure to tune in. Second hour, we'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint.
Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years, specializing in orthopedic injuries and their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. It is the second hour of our Wednesday edition. It's a beautiful day outside here in Columbia, Tennessee. 63 degrees, although we're expecting some showers. Just a little bit. A little drizzle outside. That's okay. Like you said, it's going to heat up a little bit later this week, but it's only going to be low 80s, so it's still not too bad. No, not at all. And... I don't mind showers when we don't have any outdoor events going on. That's right. So with, it's a perfect day for a shower. There we go. <laughs> perfect day for a torrential thunderstorm as uh, far as I'm concerned. I mean, we ain't got to be out in it. And I mean, unless Spring Hill and Nolensville want to play soccer, they, we should probably let them do that. <laughs> so don't downpour too bad. Okay. Just a drizzle. Right. A drizzle will work. Don't, don't do it in Spring Hill. <laughs> or Nolensville. Or Nolensville. Yeah. Uh, Maurice, let's talk a little bit in uh, – it's funny. It's not funny. It's it's a little ironic. After yesterday, we did our top five sports movies, and I mentioned Brian's song. And this morning, we see the news come across on Twitter that the Kansas Comet, Mr. Gale Sayers, has passed away at the age of 77. Mr. Give Me 18 Inches of Daylight. It's all he needed. It's all he needed. Jeez. Um, it's crazy. Um. I did not get to see Gail Sayers play, but you know, looking at highlights and that kind of thing from from when I was old enough to realize, you know, what he was doing and that kind of thing, I I, I realized that I had missed something, and it's probably one of my regrets that I I'm not old enough to have actually seen him play, you know, live. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy who in seven NFL seasons was impressive enough to become the youngest inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was named to the NFL's 50-year all-time team, 75-year all-time team, and the 100-year all-time team. I mean, this dude was a bad dude. Yeah, Gail Sayers by far probably – he was – the Barry Sanders before Barry Sanders because they were kind of the same type of running back, very electric, uh, kind of shifty. Mm -hmm. And Sayers just had, he had something special despite only playing seven seasons. Like you said, he he is a hall of famer on every all time team ever. And it just, it just goes to show that you can make an impact in the National Football League in a short period in of time. In a short period of time, clearly. I mean, um, if if you've not, if you are of a certain age, you know, get on YouTube and, and just <laughs> type in Gale Sayers and, and 
prepare to prepare to be there for a while. Yeah, um, his book was fantastic. I am third. I am third. Yes. A a fantastic um, book there, and I'll tell you, um, if you haven't had a chance to read that, definitely do so. In addition to the news that Gail Sayers passed away. Hang on. Oh, go ahead. Before we get away from that, little known or little remembered fact, Mr. Sayers was at one time, and I mentioned this to you off air, for the second year in a row, uh, second day in a row, we're discussing a former Tennessee State Athletics Director. You're right. Um, Gail Sayers served as interim AD at Tennessee State uh, in 1985 and 86. I actually remember um, briefly meeting him when I was a student at MTSU. We had played down at TSU, and and he was he commuted from Chicago to Nashville. I think he kept office hours down here on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. So that's a tough drive. Yeah, but um, we played down there, and I just went up and fanboyed him. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, and he, I'm sure he, uh, clearly he had no idea who I was and, and wasn't impressed, but you know, I, I was impressed enough for both of us. So, um, there was my brush with greatness there. Yeah. So Gail Sayers, 77 years old, passed away. Um, our thoughts and prayers, obviously to his family and to all of the Chicago Bears community because he was a very big part of that community even today. You know what's crazy? I I got on Wikipedia to look up a few things. He was the number four draft pick in the 1965 draft. Don't tell me who was before him. Well, I'm going to tell you who was before him. (laughs) Um, The New York Giants with the first pick took Auburn running back Tucker Fredrickson. I don't think he's in on any uh, all-time teams. The San Francisco 49ers <laughs> with the second pick took North Carolina fullback. A fullback going number two. You know what? <laughs> Definitely a different time. Yeah. Ken Willard with the number three pick acquired from the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Chicago Bears took Dick Butkus. So, oh. <laughs> the 1965 draft for the Chicago Bears was was a very good draft. Very good draft. If they didn't take another player, it was a very good draft. <laughs> that's that's impressive. You go Dick Butkus and Gale Sayers back to back. Pretty good day for the GLGM. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. <laughs> good day at the office. But again, um, thoughts and prayers to the Bears organization and to the Sayers family. Absolutely. And as I was saying, um. It was not the only sports death that was that came across the wire this morning. Matter, matter of fact, I saw this one first. Um, two hours ago, we learned that Joe Laurinaitis had passed away. And if that name doesn't ring a bell, maybe uh, if you are, especially in my generation, Road Warrior Animal is what he is better known as. He was part of the Road Warriors uh, WWE tag team. Several times. WWE Tag Team Champion, and they were best known for wearing the spiked shoulder pads when they came into the arena. Um, growing up, man, I, I I loved the Road Warriors, and I loved Sting, because I loved face paint. And his face paint always had this giant spider right in the middle. Like You can see it right here. It's just <laughs> some of the coolest face paint I've ever seen, and... 
when I was doing the the arena football fan thing, I always painted my face. And I would paint my – even my dad painted his face. Like, I would paint his face, and we painted it like Road Warrior Hawk. So – we gotta have pictures. <laughs> oh, there are there are several pictures on uh, on my Facebook. I'll I'll, I'll send. I'll, we'll put that on the Twitter. There we go. Um, because that's a that's a good one. But yeah, you know, he's actually the father of former Ohio State running uh, linebacker Jim um, Laurinaitis. Jim Laurinaitis, who I, I think he played briefly in the NFL. I don't know if he's Buffalo, still. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's still in the NFL. But anyway, if you yeah, like I said, if you grew up in the nineties. The 80s and 90s, and you watched any pro wrestling, you definitely remember the Road Warriors and Joe Laurinaitis, Road Warrior Animal, part of the Legion of Doom. That's how Legion of Boom, I guess. From Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, a couple of uh, sad things to talk about in the first part of this hour, but we've got lots of great things to continue talking about as the show continues, and we're going to get to that in... Just a few minutes. Um, let's talk briefly about the Atlanta Braves. Of course. Because that's what we do. <laughs> Last night was a great night uh, as we were in the office and heard that Washington was beating the Philadelphia Phillies in game one of their double header. And Washington ended up winning that first game, which secured a playoff spot for the Atlanta Braves. Mm -hmm. In the nightcap, the Phillies got drilled again. and um, But also, the Atlanta Braves defeated the Miami Marlins in Game 2 of that series to go up two games to none in the series. And that secured their third consecutive National League East title. You know, um, this has been a strange season, obviously, but having to root for the Nationals is really a tough tough spot for me to find myself in. But you know, I'm glad we didn't have to. For real, though. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So you know. Thanks to the Nats for taking care of business against the Phillies. Um, congratulations to the Braves for not backing in to either the playoffs or the division championship. They took care they of business took on it. the field on their own last night with that 11-1 victory. Right. And, and it's funny how a Braves game can get out of hand so quick like that. It just it goes from from four to one to Ten nine to one yeah. in in an inning, and the next thing you know, it's you know it, it, everyone's hitting and Dansby's home run, and then two batters later, uh, Freddie goes deep and scores a Acuna. Uh, okay, so we've been talking about this. Freddie Freeman is potentially the favorite to win the National League MVP, despite the left coast bias no 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 I, i'm gonna correct you here freddie freeman is being discussed as a favorite to win national league mvp despite the fact that he may not even be the mvp on his own team that was what i was about to say after last night marcelo zuna has a as legitimate an argument as anybody to be the mvp 
and neither one of them may be the MVP on their own team because Max Freed exists. <laughs> Max Freed being down for this period of time hasn't helped his MVP candidacy. However, what is he, 7-0? and 7-0, oh? and oh, yeah. He would he would be in the Cy Young discussion had he not gotten hurt, and he may be I, he's in still it anyway. in the discussion. I don't know that he's going to win it, but he's in the yeah. discussion. That being said, Marcelo Zuna leads the National League in both home runs and RBIs after last night, and he's only a couple of points behind, like thousands of points behind Freddie in OPS, and he's still he's hitting three twenty something. Mm-hmm. Three twenty seven. I he's, believe. I mean, if he was to go three for four for the next four or five, he may win a triple crown. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Yeah, it's um. I mean, this I th- Braves offense, I, man. I, I think voters are really going to be faced with a dilemma. You know, contrary to what Chip Carey and some of the guys on the Braves telecast might have you believe, because listening to them, Freddie Freeman is a cinch and. Full disclosure, I've been a little bothered by Freddie Freeman since they let Jason Hayward go, but that's neither here nor there at this point. I just, um, this Braves offense is really something special, and it's got to really be bothersome for Miami. Again, you go back to the first game of the series when they scored three runs in the first, Braves come back and score four in the bottom. Last night, again, they think they're in the ball game until the Braves put up a five, six-run inning. Uh, you you just never know when this offense is going to break loose. And as you posted on your Twitter account, 27 tough outs. Every time. And, and that's the thing. You have to get them out 27 times, and none of them are easy. Like we say, I, I, it's this Atlanta Braves team is the most fun Atlanta Braves team I've ever seen because of the uncertainty of the pitching staff. We got a great night last night from Bryce Wilson and Josh Tomlin, who got us to the eighth inning. I mean, Bryce Wilson, anytime he's starting, you never know what you're going to get. And last night, he was fantastic. Bryce Box of Chocolates, Wilson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's just, it, it's it's a it's a grab bag once you're you're talking outside of Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright, and Max Freed. And, and Kyle Wright's only been in that mix for about two for weeks. Two weeks, yeah. yeah. But um, nice to see Bryce Wilson get the win. Uh, went five, five shutout before Josh Tomlin gives up a dinger to the first guy he faces. And I'm thinking maybe Bryce should have come back out for the six. <laughs> but um, I think Snicker did a good job getting him out after five where he was in line for the victory. Uh, I'm You'd, you'd think that managers don't necessarily think that way, but maybe he was. But I, I think that that's a shot of confidence that Wilson probably needed going down the stretch here because he's going to have to pitch some quality innings, some key innings in postseason play for this team to be successful. Hey, real quick, is Juan Soto in the uh, MVP talks at all? Who? Juan Soto. Who? Exactly. Yeah. He only leads the league in batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, and on-base slugging. Just curious. Who? <laughs> I hate that guy. And it's not, and it's not anything about him. I no, just it's hate, nothing I, he's done. It's just the, it's just the plays, uniform yeah. that he puts on. Yeah, it, it's why I hated Bryce Harper too. Anyway, all right, we're gonna take a quick break here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. When we come back, we've got 
New York Times nine-time bestseller, Mr. Jeff Perlman, Football for a Buck, USFL. But he dropped another book yesterday. We'll let him tell you about that when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I still hate Bryce Harper. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. It is 23 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock, and we are excited here in Columbia, Tennessee, to invite New York Times bestselling author, author of Three Ring Circus, which dropped yesterday. You can get yours on Amazon.com. I know he's got... Plenty of links out there. I saw him tweet it yesterday. Mr. Jeff Perlman. Jeff, welcome in. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, if Mopad calls, I come. That's how it works. <laughs> That's how it works. Well, dude, I appreciate that. And, and obviously, you, you are a very busy guy these days. As Chris mentioned, um, Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, and the Laker Dynasty dropped yesterday. Congratulations on um, what I'm sure is going to be number 10 New York Times bestseller for you. Oh, I appreciate that. You never know. There are no guarantees in this world, but I appreciate it. Well, um, I saw the article that you posted on Deadspin yesterday regarding the the background of this book. Um, for those who aren't so enlightened as to follow you on Twitter, at Jeff Perlman, or to read Deadspin, give <laughs> folks a quick synopsis of that situation. I mean, you know, I, I wrote this book. I was working on it for two years, this Kobe Bryant biography. And um, basically, I was done with it. It was all done. And then um, I'm sitting there in a coffee shop in California on January 26th. And a friend texts me and she says, uh, rumors Kobe Bryant died in a plane crash or a helicopter crash. And, you know, it's interesting, though, like, I think if I was still at the Tennesseans, this is an example where I started or whatever in New York, whatever, like the impact would be harsh. Like it would be fierce, but I'm telling you being out here, you really realize how iconic he was here and just the pure sadness of it all. It was remarkable. It was really remarkable. And if you think like Kobe Bryant is just a great player, but he wasn't Jordan. He wasn't an icon, like not out here, out here. <laughs> It was like losing a son for people or a brother or really like a hero. I think that was like a a legit hero. This guy who embodied hard work and tenaciousness and sort of the fulfillment of a dream. You know, he wanted to be Michael Jordan from a young age and he kind of became Michael Jordan. And he meant so much to people. So you're me and you have this book coming out and it's not really a glowing portrait of Kobe. You know, it's like it's 
it's not a hit job on Kobe, but it's, it basically is 96 to 04, and he can be very difficult. So I didn't really know what to do. So I ended up writing a, a new sort of almost like an author's note at the beginning of the book, explaining that the Kobe you're about to read about is just a piece of who he was, not the fulfillment of who he became as, as a full adult. But it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It's still crazy. So to go back a little bit, Jeff and I worked together in another lifetime back in the mid-90s. I think this was Jeff's first full-time gig out of the University of Delaware. So so we go back. So I feel comfortable asking you this, Jeff. That author's note, the awareness to think that maybe you needed to write that author's note, would you have written that before Sweetness? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, for people, I wrote a book about Walter Payton about a decade ago. And right before, three weeks, I think it was before the book came out, Sports Illustrated ran an excerpt. And it was all about, it was one part of the book that dealt with Walter Payton when he was done playing. And he was going through a lot of depression and uh, suicidal thoughts and out of wedlock son he wasn't involved with. And the backlash was harsh. It was definitely harsh. I would definitely say that. I mean, I I don't know for sure, but it definitely taught me about being in a crouched position when things like this happen. And I will say it definitely taught me that you have to take, you have to be a little uh, preemptive. Um, and the best thing you can do is try to get in front of something, you know? And like, the more I say, look, I wrote this before he died. Look, I wrote this before he died. Look, he died at 41. This book is him in his twenties. He's a different guy. I feel like number one, it's all true. And what I genuinely believe and also, number two, it's a little bit of a, look, don't beat the crap out of me. This isn't what you think. At least know what you're talking about before you beat the crap out of me. So. <laughs> and, and that, I mean, do you feel like you're almost being apologetic for the book or the way that Kobe is going to come across in this book, even though it's true? I wouldn't say apologetic. I would be, I would say more sensitive to how people feel about him, you know, like. It's just like I said, like a lot of people here freaking love him, love him. And there's nothing wrong. Like I always think there's nothing wrong with just loving an athlete and not wanting to know the intricacies of his alleged sexual assault crime in, in Eagle, Colorado. Like maybe you love Kobe Bryant and all you want to do is love him as a basketball player. The same way, like maybe you love Peyton Manning, and you just love him as a football player or any athlete. I just, all I want to do is love that guy as an athlete. And I, um, I have nothing, I have no problem with that whatsoever. So it's almost a little bit like, look, if, if that's who you are with Kobe Bryant, if that's where you are, you may not want to read this book <laughs> or you may just want to skip the chapter about him in Eagle, Colorado. You know, and that's totally fair. I have no problem with that. Visiting with Jeff Perlman. Jeff, yesterday you posted, when you posted on Facebook about the events that are the things that you had to do in order to get the interviews, you were hanging out with Phil Jackson and almost got beat up. Um, what What is that like when you are researching for a book and you talk to a source that is less than open uh, to the idea of talking to you? You know what's funny? I first My first experience of anything like that it was actually at the Tennessean when as Mo will tell you, I was a major screw up and they put me on the cop speed to sort of learn the ropes of reporting. And they sent me one time to a, um, 
crime scene and I had to knock on the door at the crime scene. And I remember like, it was a really intense situation, like really intense situation. And I think as you do it, you learn to deal with the intensity a little bit. The guy who threatened to beat me up, just to be clear, wasn't Phil Jackson. And he didn't threaten to beat me up. I thought he was going to beat me up. He's J.R. Ryder. I thought he was going to punch me in the head. But you're probably not the first person that thought that about J.R. Ryder, in all fairness. No, the funny thing is, in the book, there are two different examples of J.R. Ryder um, responding to articles he didn't like by going up to the writer and saying, I know where your family lives. So it's certainly a possibility that something bad is going to happen with him. But um, I just knocked on his door. I didn't have a phone number. So I just, I was in Arizona. I figured I'm going to knock on his door. And he answered and he was not happy to see me. And it was kind of awkward at first. And he ended up talking and he ended up being great. And one of my kind of favorite people from the book. But um, I don't know. You just kind of get a, if you do this job a long time, I think some of us in the profession, some don't and some do, you get like a, you get, it reminds me of always, it always reminds me every time I knock on a door, it reminds me of being in really bad turbulence on a plane mm-hmm. and you think you'll be okay. Like really bad turbulence. You're like, I think I'll be okay, but you don't know a hundred percent for sure. So, and that's kind of exciting and kind of terrifying at the same time. That's basically <laughs> what it's like. Jeff, I think anybody that's been in this business for any period of time has either entertained the idea or had somebody <laughs> throw the idea at them. You should write a book. Um, and until you do it, I don't think you realize what goes into it. I know you're working on a book now. I don't know how much or how little you want to talk about it. And we'll get back to that in a minute. But from inception to drop, Typically, how long does that take you? It's about two and a half years. Well, from the time the book comes to the time the book comes out, it's actually two to three years. It usually takes me about two years to do the book. So about a year and a half of reporting. Then I usually take six months to write it. Um, so that's about, it's a long time. You have to, if you don't love you, if you're not really into the subject, it feels like a really long time. So I, I, I have learned over the years to try and be smart about the subjects I pick and at least make it something I'm going to, have some passion about if that makes sense right what you know it's important i mean it, it, if you are not passionate about what you do and we are passionate about high school sports here and that's something that a lot of people don't understand is the passion is what makes these stories work and it gets old quick if you don't have it Whew. doesn't it though and and you can tell it sometimes you know what's funny is, um, again, going back to the Tennessean, like I, I started the newspaper as a features writer, and I was writing about stuff I was never that passionate about. And then I did cops, and I definitely wasn't passionate. <laughs> but then they moved me. They moved me to the high school wrestling beat, and I never cared about wrestling, but I developed a passion for high school wrestling in Nashville, Tennessee, in 1996 or five, whenever it was, and um, like real passion, like fascinated by who was going to win these matches and fascinated by the mechanisms of the Overton high school wrestling team and really wanting to know what was going on and who these people were and who these kids were and where they were going. And when you have that, and it doesn't have to be about a subject, sometimes you can find passion in something you're not traditionally passionate about like high school wrestling. But when you get really into it, um, it sometimes it starts to feel like you're just on a really awesome car ride going 60 miles per hour with the windows open and you're just in, loving it and i love those moments in reporting when you're just so passionate about it 
and so into it that it doesn't feel at all like work and you just can't wait to get up and dig more into it. So um, when you have a subject that you're really into, it's great. And when you have a subject that you're kind of into, it's good. And when you have a subject that drives you crazy, uh, it's not good at all. <laughs> Chris is really passionate about the United States Football League. When well, I first mentioned the possibility of getting you on, the first thing he said was, football for a buck. Ah, Heck awesome. yeah. Um, so we we um, we would be remiss if we did not tap into your USFL encyclopedic knowledge. Well, and, and to preface this, I'm 34 years old, so I don't know and I didn't experience anything about the United States Football League. That being said, I'm, I'm really passionate about Birmingham pro sports. And, of course, Birmingham was a large part of the USFL. And my dad was a season ticket holder, traveled to Memphis, and sat at the top of the Liberty Bowl during that championship game. Or, or I'm not sure if it was a playoff. Anyway, the USFL was has to be one of the most fascinating stories you've ever written. If you've, if you've, anybody has watched anything documentaries about it, it's fantastic. What was the most surprising thing that you got out of researching the USFL football for a buck book? Oh, that's almost an unfair question. Cause it was just it was one all <laughs> it was the best. I mean, that was the best. I'll never have more fun writing a book that I had writing the USFL. I mean, that was the ultimate passion project. I mean, the San Antonio gunslingers who are just my favorite franchise of any franchise that's ever existed anywhere at any time in life. I mean, they basically hired their punt there. The owner hired his ranch hand to be the team's punter because he just thought the guy would be able to kick the ball really far. They, they had to place a guy in injured reserve because he caught his penis in the, tr- in the, in a trunk. Um, they hired a, they signed a guy who threatened to kill his coach, the LA express. And then the guy, when he wasn't getting paid, followed the owner home with a baseball bat and demand. I mean, this the US of L is just, it's the best. Minor league wild, football wild, in wild, general. Wild <laughs> Minor league football in general is the best. You can't but get it, stories anywhere else than that. Than in minor but it league wasn't football. minor league. That's the thing. It was major, <laughs> big time. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Peyton was obviously a big part of that. Walter Peyton. So. Um, I love the US now. Love the US now. Everything about the US now I love. So that takes me to my next question. Every parent says they love their children just the same. What's your favorite book that you've written? I think the USFL, just because nobody wanted me to write it. I mean, you know, there are probably 12 USFL fans left in the world, like diehard USFL fans. Me and and my dad. Yeah, and me. (laughs) Some guy I know, and, you know, that's about it. You know, there aren't that many of us. And I was aware it was a major climb, and my publisher, my editor said, nobody wants an effing USFL book. told me that. Nobody (laughs) wants an effing USFL book. My publisher was no. Everyone was no. The funny thing is the pitch had zero to do with Trump and the because I'd been wanting to do it for years. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, there's this great book and Trump was in it. Like it's, it was almost I wish Trump weren't in it because he, you had to write about him. And I I thought the, the stories on the field are so great. Like I've talked every now and then I'll have someone call and say, maybe we should talk about a USFL movie as a movie project. And it's almost like in a way Trump gets in the way because the stories are so great. You know, like I. It's almost like, ah, uh, and he's there, so you got to do... I'm not even saying whether you like him or dislike him. I'm just saying he he hangs over it so profoundly. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost easier without that. 
because the stories are so great without that complication. Right. So nobody wanted me to write it. And I basically only got to do it because I took less money to do my Brett Favre book. And I had to do the Favre book first. I had no interest in doing a Favre book. I ended up having a great time doing it. <laughs> but I was only able to write US of L because I said I would do Favre. And I got very little money for US of L. I only had one year to do it. I usually take two years. And I just dove in. And every day I was like, this is great. This is great. Oh, my God. This is great. Uh, it was the best. Um, can we talk about the book you're working on right now? Just yeah, to, of okay. Sure. All right. Because I, I know that the, it was, it was shrouded a little bit in secrecy and I know I'm sitting at home one night a few <laughs> months ago you and, and you and I text back and forth periodically, but not with a whole lot of regularity, but mm-hmm. I, I get a text from Jeff Perlman. I'm sitting at home about nine thirty, ten o'clock. Um, do you know any sec writers you can put me in touch with? I'm like, what are you what are you working on so apparently mr perlman next book will this be your next book yeah it's my next book legendary bo jackson oh bring me bring me back to the south if i can ever travel (laughs) yeah well that's another story jeff yeah when we get off the air I'll, i'll tell you a story about bo jackson that was relayed to me secondhand from my dad, but it's, it's a true story and it's probably one of the coolest things I've ever heard in my life. Um, Bo Jackson, that's, that's going to go over really, really well because 11 time New York times bestseller. I'm I'm telling you, Bo, Bo was, he, he was the, and I'm from Alabama. So trust me when I tell you that Bo Jackson is as iconic in Alabama as, as anybody has ever been, including Paul Bryant. Oh yeah. I've been doing a lot of reporting on it. It's really fun. Like it's really fun. It's, it's a really, I'll be honest with you. The Laker book was hard work and it had moments of fun going to see Shaq fail, but it was hard. And the Bo Jackson book is just a ride through my youth. I mean, I love that stuff. I I was 12, 13 years old. Bo Jackson is winning the Heisman trophy and he's larger than life. And what I think is cool about him as a story is he's just mythology. Mm Mm-hmm. He is mythology. He is as close <laughs> to sports mythology as exists. Where you're like, wait, did he? Did he do that? And yes, he did. Be like, I have. His, yeah, right. And <laughs> always, yes, he did. And Everyone has like, a Bo Jackson story in my in, in my area of origin. You, you get a lot of people who say, "I know you're not going to believe me, but but <laughs> it was like he jumped over a car. He was waist deep in a pool, and he jumped flat footed out of the pool. I swear the fence was five feet. It was six feet. It was seven feet. He jumped over it. Oh, I saw him climb up that wall with the Royals, but did I tell you about the time he did it at Auburn? He did it in high school, and he once ran over seven guys. And, like, the crazy thing about Bo Jackson, truly, he's there on YouTube, and you obviously, we know all the famous clips, throwing out Harold Reynolds, running up the wall, Joe Ursulak, Bosworth, going through the tunnel, blah, blah, blah. His 400th best highlight is better than most people's best Best highlight. It's so ridiculous. It's the best. It's great. And I love the the interesting thing is it wouldn't be a book if he went on to have a 10 year career, Mm. you know, like the mythology is the part of it. Like that's the whole thing. It's like, God, what could have been? And that's what makes it really interesting. My son and I were sitting watching the, the ESPN thing. You, you don't know Bo or, or whatever it was. And, and he runs up the outfield wall and, and he asked me, did you see that? I said, I probably saw it the first time it happened. Yeah. You know, it's like, but, but yeah, the mythology of it, 
like you said, and and it's not mythology. It it, it happened. Yeah, I know. It's it's amazing. It, He's really it's spectacular, just spectacular. How did you come up with that? Did someone pitch that to you? Was that your idea? How did how did how did Jeff Perlman come to? No, be? that was me. That was my idea. Um, I just um, I just really um, love Bo Jackson. Like I just. When I was, I remember when I was in college, I was an RA my sophomore year at Delaware. And I had, you had to have on your, uh, this sounds dumb, but you had to have on your door a chart telling people where you are. So the residents knew where you were. You know, everyone would be creative and make their own charts. I remember I took Bo Jackson's poster. It was him wearing like a football uniform, a baseball uniform, a hockey uniform, a track and field uniform, blah, blah, blah. And I cut him out and had different like, Bo knows Jeff is at the student newspaper Bo knows Jeff is in class Bo knows Jeff is inside like he was my guy Bo Jackson I'm like he's probably your guy too like Bo Jackson was it I mean mm-hmm. he just was it and I my my uh, agent didn't love the idea at first he's like I don't know if people are curious about Bo Jackson I was like I am telling you people are curious about Bo Jackson <laughs> oh absolutely man that's fantastic and he vanished yeah I just want to say one of the things that's cool he lives in like suburban Chicago now mm-hmm. you never see him he does not care that he's not in the Hall of Fame. People will be like, such a shame he's not in the Hall of Fame. Like, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. It do- doesn't bother him. He, he does like archery, though. Likes archery, likes hunting. Biking. Um, and biking. Hunting. Yeah, he, he... Oh, biking. Yeah, yeah. Bono's Bama does that. Mm-hmm. He, um, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's a great subject. And a, a fascinating individual from the athletics to his philanthropic, you know, hit everything he does for the the community just a fantastic guy so this will be a fantastic book absolutely thanks so much for doing this one because i'm gonna um, be excited to read it it's all because long ago mo Patton said i'm gonna teach you everything i know and he just <laughs> took me under his wing guided the way and it took all of five <laughs> minutes yeah. <laughs> yeah hey jeff man i really appreciate you coming on with us of and course. um continued success uh, i don't even feel like we need to say it but again um Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, and the Laker Dynasty dropped yesterday. You can find it almost anywhere you get your favorite books. Be sure and check it out. Um, Jeff Perlman, former co-worker, longtime friend, appreciate you joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Oh, yeah. And, Mo, you know, I just want to say, like, I really mean this. Like, we, we worked together a long time ago. And at the time, uh, there was an age gap and a, certainly a maturity gap. I was not on the good side of that. And – uh You've really become one of my good friends in the business. I really have. I really appreciate that a lot. So thank you for having me on. Well, I appreciate you, man. And again, continued success, and we'll talk. All right. Thank you. Once again, nine-time New York Times bestseller Jeff Perlman joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. When we come back, it is our final segment of the day, 45 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock. It's going to be wild and crazy Wednesday We're going to tell you about some of the craziest stories in the world and maybe ask a couple of questions that uh, pertain to that. So we're really excited about it. Stay tuned. On the other side of the break, this is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. 
It is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, and I am Chris Yao. It is the final segment of the show on a wild and crazy Wednesday. Mo Patton joining me as always, our producer, J.P. Plant. Tomorrow is going to be a great day. We've got Heather Williams, who is going to join us to talk uh, Michael Jordan, Bubba Wallace, and NASCAR. Yeah, Heather Williams, um, sports anchor at WCYB-TV in Bristol. As we said yesterday, not sure why anybody in Bristol would have any interest in NASCAR, but it mm-hmm. um, seems to be a match made in heaven because Heather's been a NASCAR follower, fan, analyst for quite some time, and it's kind of helped educate me a little on the on the ovals so looking forward to having her and having her talk about this week's big story yeah absolutely so she'll be on tomorrow in the second hour of course on friday you're definitely going to want to tune in because we will be talking to TWSWA director bernard childress columbia native columbia native bernard childress and he will be on in our first, first hour, hour. Mm-hmm. And then at some point after that, we will have former, well, I, I guess he's still a Williamson County legend in the yeah, coaching la- yeah. ranks. Uh, former Williamson County coach now down in Florence, Alabama, as he brings his Florence Falcons up to take on BA on Friday. Coach Will Hester will join us. Yeah. So. You know, I was thinking, Will's got a couple of his protégés on NFL rosters this year. We'll get to talk to him a little bit about that. But, yeah, um, delivered a state championship to Ravenwood, started the Nolansville program, and um, is currently in, what, his third year at Florence now? I think it's this may be his third. He was at Nolansville my first year, so, yes, this would be his third year. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to um, catching up with Will, like you said, as he takes his team up to Brentwood Academy. It should be an interesting match up there it will be a lot of fun so that's on friday and on friday we will talk about other high school sports games outside of our coverage area uh some very interesting and intriguing matchups that really are nearby Mm -hmm. uh one specifically that we will talk about and we're really excited about that being said that's on friday again tomorrow we'll talk Local high school sports here in and around Murray County, North Giles, North Lawrence. That's Summertown and Richland, if you don't know. And then, of course, Indian Summit. We'll talk, we'll preview all of those games. But right now, we're going to talk about some wild and crazy stories across the country. Uh oh. That is like Match Game 74. That sounds great. And speaking of. An Illinois man is celebrating the 60th birthday of an unusual keepsake uh, that was yesterday. A sandwich that he has kept frozen ever since it was half-eaten by Richard Nixon in 1960. Steve Jenny of Sullivan, Illinois, said he was a Boy Scout when Nixon visited the town of Sullivan during a September 22, 1960 campaign stop. The future president attended a cookout and ate half of a sandwich which Jenny then took home and kept in his freezer. Any guesses on what kind of sandwich it was? Any guesses what, at all? What was he attending again? A, po- a Boy Scout picnic, I guess, or a cookout. Hamburger. Okay. Barbecue. No, buffalo chicken. 
Buffalo Chicken Sandwich. In 1960? In a 1960 Boy Scout cookout, Buffalo Chicken Sandwich. So, all right. Here's the question. How would you have the foresight to hang on to something like that? I mean, Nixon wasn't elected until what? 68? Yeah, this he lost this election. Okay. But he wasn't actually elected president until right. Two so, two elections later. So why would you keep it why? before I mean if I get it if he's elected, but sure. after that, why not just throw it away, right? No, he kept it. Uh, so there's that. My question to you guys, Maurice and JP, who is the one celebrity you would keep something weird from just to say you own something that belonged to them? Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick. You want one of his bobbleheads, don't you? <laughs> I'll take anything from the man cave. Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron. Those, those are great. And being an, an Alabama native, I would probably say Bear Bryant <laughs> um, just because I could probably Not original that. at all, is it? No. That was yeah. absolutely the most generic answer. But it's true. I mean, that's 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 who it would be. Uh, if I, I wish I had a maybe a half-smoked pack of Chesterfields or something. Well, that would make more sense than a half-eaten sandwich. <laughs> a buffalo chicken sandwich, though. Heck, I would have ate the rest of the sandwich. <laughs> Well, he's not going to eat it. I'll go ahead and take it. Don't do that today, though. No, I won't do that today. All right, and let's let's go to number two here because this is probably my favorite. A Texas woman collected one thousand six hundred and twenty-two lip balms to set a Guinness World Record. She was awarded the world record. Uh, because it's all different varieties of lip balms. Chelsea Jerabic of Lubbock, Texas, said her actual collection of lip balm includes more than 1,800 pieces, but Guinness did not count duplicates, so the record was established at 1622. She's been collecting lip balm since she was 11 years old. Her aunt collects Pez, so this is this is a this is a family affair here. <laughs> but if you could choose something to set a Guinness World Record in, what would you attempt? to do to set a Guinness World Record. I'll tell you what my wife said. My wife said she would try to sleep the longest. <laughs> Which is about me. Rip Van Winkle, huh? Hey, she, she's, she likes sleep a lot. Uh, well, especially these days, I'm sure. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just staying in the collection realm. My mother used to sew a lot. She doesn't sew as much now thimbles i'm thinking it would be easy to store because they're small but thimbles this lady has the lip balms on her wall in pegs it's pretty smart that's pretty crazy yeah well pez makes a lot more sense than lip balms (laughs) who said you know what i got 10 of these let's just put them on the wall and see how many i can get exactly (laughs) Uh, are you is she related to the sandwich guy Any idea what you would do, JP? Oh, I'll tell you, that, that is a tough one. Uh, you know, as a kid, I, I did collect baseball cards. Um, I, You know, I think uh, they have since been sold and out of my life. And um, Probably a good thing yeah. because they're not worth as much anymore. And uh, I can't imagine what the Guinness World Record for baseball card collection would well, there's be. There's no telling. Yeah. yeah. You could probably fill this whole room with – it had to be pretty – 
rather large, I it, would imagine. It would have to be rather large, I would think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, you know, food typically comes to mind. For That's s- where I was going. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I don't want to kill myself. Um, I would like to eat the largest steak. Whatever it is, I yeah. would like to have eat the largest steak. Hmm. It's a tough one, though. I yeah. told you this one was going to be tough. I'd like to watch you Oh, man. Well, there it is. That's Wild and Wacky Wednesday. That's going to be an an every week segment, so make sure to tune in on the last segment of every Wednesday from wait. Don't wait until the last segment to tune in. No, yeah, you're definitely going to want to stick around from the rest of the time. But anyway, we've told you what's going on tomorrow. Make sure to tune back in 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. We've got all kinds of great things going on here at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. And we've got open lines, 931-381-1017. Give us a call. Love to hear from you. Give us a call tomorrow. We'd love to hear from you. And visit sm-tnsports.com as well as visit us on Twitter at sm underscore tnsports. That's Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, find us on Facebook, Southern Middle Tennessee Sports. We appreciate you guys being here with us today. We will see you tomorrow morning on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint.